Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It is almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. Also, it infuriates the opposition, who then react to your advantage. Saul Alinsky rules for radicals. Tensions were growing in 18th century France. The population had exploded from 18 million people to 26 million people. The economy was suffering due to massive government debt. Paris had over 600,000 people living in the city, and up to one-third of them were unemployed or had inconsistent work. We have other examples in history. When men are bored, they become dissatisfied. When men have no good purpose, they find a purpose, sometimes evil. The French farmers had been failing to grow enough food to feed the swelling population. Coupled with prolonged periods of drought, then periods of flooding, led to poor harvests. John Adams once visited France and noted the following. The country is a heap of ashes. Grass is scarcely to be seen, and all sorts of grain is short, thin, pale, and feeble, while the flax is quite dead. I pity this people from my soul. No green peas, no salad, no vegetables to be had upon the road, and the sky is still as clear, dry, and cold as ever. The flocks of sheep and herds of cattle stalk about the fields like droves of walking skeletons. As a consequence of the increase in demand and in the decrease in supply, food prices rose by 65% between 1770 and 1790, but wages increased by only 22%. Poor harvests throughout the 1780s culminated in the most severe winter for decades in 1788 and 89. The farmers had nothing to sell, and the urbanites' purchasing power had collapsed. The only people during this time to find fertile soil were the propagandists. They blamed price increases on the government failing to prevent profiteering. There were more pamphlets circulating the sins of the aristocracy than there were loaves of bread to eat. But due to the fact that many lower-income people could not read. The most effective propaganda to incite revolution was the caricatures of the politicians and aristocrats. These revolutionaries promised the people liberty, equality, and fraternity, a utopian paradise. But what the people of France received is now known as the reign of terror, with the bloody execution or murder of 40,000 French people. People want to believe their problems are caused by an organization or people that are forcing them to live in pain, poverty, or misery. They make promises that the lives of the people would be so much better without this oppressor class. They promise liberty, equality, and fraternity in the French Revolution. In our time, according to the propaganda, the oppressors are white supremacy, white privilege, and Christian nationalism. Without them, the people could experience diversity, equality, and inclusion. The King's Hall podcast exists to make self-ruled men who rule well and win the world. Our aim in this season is to develop a vision for the new Christendom, plans to build a lasting Christian order. And as we've taken up this project, there have been various shanty towns on our job sites that needed to be knocked over a lot of evangelical nonsense 
as we've discussed earlier in the season, as well as various green groves and high places of various gods occupying the job site, the place where we intend to build this cathedral of the new Christendom. We build this cathedral like Nehemiah and his men rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other, because this is not just a building project. I hope you don't think that what we're talking about is just building things. No, this is also warfare. It's building with the sword in hand because this is a war, not just a building project. Some of the tactics of the enemy are obvious. You see the frontal assault of Darwinism as an obvious example. It's plain to see that Darwinism just is an attack on Christianity. But some of the tactics are less obvious. Some of the tactics that we will have to be aware of and fight against, to play good defense against. One such attack is the subject of today's episode. The attack on, to use their terminology, what we might call whiteness. The attack on white people, on Europeanness, on Western civilization, on old dead Christian white men, whatever you want to call it. And our proposition in today's episode is that this war on whiteness is actually an asymmetrical attack on Christianity. To put it another way, if the world didn't hate Christianity, it wouldn't be so busy right now hating white people and the civilization built in the Western world by largely white people people groups. So so here's where we're heading in the episode. First, we're going to give you some examples of what we mean by the war on whiteness and some of the historical roots of this and, and what it looks like today. Then we'll, we'll look at specifically some of the uh, prongs of this asymmetrical warfare, this attack, and work through how we ought to think about them and respond. And then finally, since the King's Hall, gentlemen, is a bastion of winsomeness and nuance, We're going to close with a few things we're not saying, just to head off some of the obvious ways that our rhetoric and topic might be misunderstood, including by those who insist on intentionally misunderstanding and even weaponizing uh, these things against us. So, I mean, first, welcome to the King's Hall, gentlemen. I completely forgot to introduce you. I'm Brian Sauvay. I'm joined here by by some white Christian men. Yeah, Eric Kahn here. And first of all, Brian, how dare you? And um, second of all. That we're (laughs) talking about whiteness, excuse me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is this the uh, How yeah, to Get Canceled so episode? We're trying to win friends and influence people. This must be a Mott and Bailey fallacy, right? We're right, just, of course. We're just saying something really offensive and then going to retreat. And then we're going to retreat. What we mean is not that. All we mean is that they're in Christ. There's no bar- you know, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all in What, what all, did right? you call that? The Mott and Bailey? Mott and Bailey fallacy. Mott and Bailey. Okay, so m- mine's not a fallacy, but it's a principle. I say something offensive, and then I triple down. What's that? What's that called? <laughs> the only thing I talk about is the Jews. That's the Eric Kahn strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Always like a jackhammer. <laughs> I, I literally see you, Eric. Like, people actually email me frequently about Eric. They're like- And when Brian I'm, doesn't ex- <laughs> yeah. respond, they email me. They're like, I'm mad at Eric. And I'm like, okay. You, you know I'm not Eric, right? And they're like, yeah, I'm mad at Eric, and he's not listening to me. No. I was hoping you could go kick him in the shin for me, and then I don't. It's frequently asking you to put me under church discipline. Generally, is that great. is the For email. something that we're like, oh, no, actually, he's right. And yeah, I don't that, think he went far enough. Let me explain. You're wrong, And actually. further offend you. So that said- and I'm Dan Gentleman. Burkholder, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Dan Burkholder. I yeah. mean, goes without... A man who needs no introduction. Really, actually, I do. 
<laughs> Nobody knows. We I all am, need and that's an okay. The Nordic bald, yes, very white Dan Burkholder. Yes, yes that's yes. right. Speaking of whiteness, Eric had been watching this television series that included some Danes, mm-hmm. and he was like, "You know, the enemies, the Danes." Well, actually, they kind of look like you. I'm like, well, thank you, but yeah, thanks. I mean, like a, a fatter were you know, they desk version of a Dane? Were they bad Danes or were they good Danes? Would you, were they great Danes? I mean, <laughs> what kind of Danes are we talk, <laughs> dude, talking about? Dude, here? This that, up, that is gold. You're welcome. All right. Anyway, uh, so yeah. All right. Here at the King's Hall, not only winsomeness and nuance, smooth transitions. What what are, what are we talking about here? What are some examples? You know, walk me. I know Dan, you you wrote this cold open on the French Revolution. With some, you know, some tie-ins to our topic here, showing this in another context. Can you walk us through that a little bit more? Yeah, this tactic that we're talking about is really, you know, I, I said uh, in the French Revolution there were propagandists, and they were mm-hmm. they're running this. It's a more subtle attack. It's a, like a flanking maneuver, yeah, instead of a direct attack. And these plays are being run constantly. So mm-hmm. in the French Revolution, you obviously had people that were that had problems. They were hungry. They uh, they had this view of the uh, of like Mar- uh, Marie Antoinette, who it, I don't. The thing is with history, you actually don't know what's true. That's true. But, yeah, that's but true. I mean, she was like eccentric and had some issues, probably. Yeah. But they definitely painted her in a way where nobody should have liked her. Mm. You know, and so I had quoted Saul Alinsky in his Rules for Radicals, yeah, where he says that ridicule is man's most potent weapon there is no defense yeah it is impossible to counterattack ridicule and so this play is has been run throughout history mm-hmm. you've seen this happen multiple times most famously and most well known is hitler blaming the jews for all of the problems of mm. the german people when in reality it was why is this funny? Just because Eric, every episode what? is known, known for the to, for to be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm talking about this guy who was a Jew, and then he just and then he just moves on every time, and we're always like, the little yarmulke thing, yeah. Anyway, carry on. Dan. When in carry reality, on. it was it was Allied forces that had yeah. taxed the snot out of the right. German people yeah. and just plunged them into poverty, but they found an oppressor class and yeah. were able to demonize. And uh, a common enemy yeah. and unite the people into a cause. Yeah. And so what I'm proposing is that similarly in the French Revolution, where you had massive government debt, you had rising prices, mm-hmm. and the government is actually wicked. That's the thing. Yeah. Like I'm sure that in the 18th century, the French government was actually wicked. Sure. But today we have a wicked government. They're stealing your money in the form of inflation. Prices are rising, and they're, they need to have an enemy. That's not right. them. That's not the government. They need to have an enemy. And so the attack right now is on whiteness. It, it, even in recent history, you can see this. For the project of this season to be successful, the project of seeing a new Christendom built, there will need to be thousands and thousands of Christian men and women who are equipped to stand for the truth of Scripture against the errors of both the liberal church and the pagan culture. This is one reason we're so glad to be partnering with our sponsor for this season, Reformation Heritage Books. Reformation Heritage Books offers a large selection of helpful and theologically rigorous resources on everything from biblical theology to history to blue-collar family discipleship, the type of library and resources that could make the kind of men and women I just described grounded in the rich heritage of the Reformed faith. 
We'd like to highlight one resource in particular, their Family Worship Bible Guide, that presents rich devotional thoughts on all 1,189 chapters of the Bible, including searching questions to promote conversation and to help you in leading your family in such a way as to say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Tap the link in the description of this episode to pick one up today. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, Dan, like today you mentioned that we have diversity, equity, and inclusion, sort of the three prongs of this progressive leftism. These are really borrowed from three terms in the French Revolution, which I think were... Liberté, égalité, fraternité. Yeah, and the amazing thing about this is... That was definitely not me. I refuse to speak French unless well, it's, it's been English. Brian is French. The Pope himself is French. Well, the Pope may be French, but Jesus is English. You're on. Yes! I yeah. am. I, depending I on what I need to be. I had a complaint from a patron actually saying yeah. that you speak too much French. You know what? Any French, I think, to a lot of people is too much French. Amen, they have a Amen point. to that person. Freedom they fries. have a point. Freedom, Freedom fries. Yeah. Yes. Do they want more Ojibwe? <laughs> so, what is your name? Pardon? Was that what they I were saying? You got to go to the after exactly, hours. For yeah, you got to get on exactly. after hours for the Ojibwe. They, they, this person actually did ask if you had your computer up with Ojibwe words to just randomly. Look, say. these lines are agnash. Look. look. <laughs> no, no, Ojibwe. no Ojibwe. All no, Ojibwe. hey, you lies. Lies. <laughs> Propagandists. Anyway, what were we talking about? So, uh, oh, the three, three terms. Yeah, yeah, the three terms. Yeah. And so. The principle, the the their utopian ideals. Yeah, yeah and like really, if we can attain this, we'll all be happy. What's confusing about it is, so the ultimate goal, as you you mentioned, is destroying the pillars of Christianity, which include family, um, self governance, you, you know, representative governance, that yeah. sort of thing. But they use words that seem really good, like who right. wouldn't want freedom? Yeah, but they mean something completely contrary to what we as Christians would define freedom as. This gets adopted today diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. And one of the things uh, that we talk about with equity is actually this gross perversion of racism through things like critical race theory, wokeness, you know, white fragility, the book, that that sort of nomenclature, Black Lives Matter, it's really just meant to divide and destroy America so that the elites can make a power grab. It's right. yeah. Their definitions are different. Yeah. What did what you say- we- what did you say about the French Revolution? Like they promised, they promised freedom, liberty, and brother. Uh, what was it? Fraternity. Yeah, they prom- Fraternity, they, yeah. and instead they got the guillotine. Yeah, that's right. Just a bloodbath. That's right. And and what this is fundamentally is a power play, where you have a, a, a kingdom that is attempting to consolidate power and defeat an enemy. And our proposition is that that enemy has always been Christianity. And, and truly Christian culture. If you look at the the, the, the enemy, the way that the, the French Revolution framed their enemies, it ultimately was the war of a different religion against Christian faith and Christian society. I, I know that we're going to have a period at, at the end of this podcast where we're saying, you know, this is not what we're saying. Yeah. But I'm just going to front load it right here because mm-hmm. one of the things I hear when we're talking like this is that, oh, these Christians, they just have a persecution complex. Oh, sure. Like, they just think they're being persecuted all the time. And what I'm saying is, no, no, that's not what I'm saying, that we're being persecuted. We are being played by an enemy. We're at war. And so the enemy is running some sort of measure. They're trying to take some sort of ground. They're trying to fortify certain defenses. And what we're trying to do is, is head that off. 
in a a countermeasure, in sorties, in different attacks, to make sure that our people aren't actually persuaded by the propaganda of the enemy. Yeah. So it's not a persecution thing. It is definitely countermeasures in war. Yeah, we're yeah. saying we're we're at war. We're trying to win. Like Christianity is trying to conquer the world. That's the thing. So no Martin ba- Bailey there either. No, totally. That I is, mean no, it is world domination. Yeah, Every knee will bow. We're trying to see the nations converted, baptized, discipled and ins- you know instructed. So it's like, you know, we're going out. That's what we're openly trying to do right and and in the west particularly in uh, countries that were european western christendom you saw the the peak of success in this mission like you saw basically whole societies that were self-described they were christian societies like we're christians our law is christian law our rulers are christian rulers you have to be a christian to be a ruler all of that's true and so as a way of counterattacking christendom the the other team will always attempt lots of different strategies to try to undermine, grab power, consolidate, divide, and conquer. And what we're saying is that some of the same tactics that were used in the French Revolution to demonize the enemies of this revolution are analogous to the tactics that are being yeah. used right now to wage war on this quote-unquote whiteness white culture. And our proposition is that that's actually just a proxy war for Christianity. They're just trying, they hate Christianity is the reason that they ultimately are at war with whiteness. If, if Christendom had developed in Africa and we had everything inverted, the the war would also be inverted. It would be over blackness, but it's not, but it's not, it's historically it's, we're talking about Western Christendom. So we're talking about a culture that was built by Christianity Western civilization and that that culture was, was very white. A lot of it was very white. And so, so we see in hatred of that, they'll attack whiteness as a proxy. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of rise of this since the 1970s in America. Mm -hmm. Um, The left movement has changed, been on campuses, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, But really what it is fomenting hatred uh, among different people groups, particularly in America, we see the white black thing. You can talk about BLM. I'm sure we'll get well, into Well, and also, this. I mean, being the host of the Hard Men podcast, you talk about masculinity, and that's another attack. Right. Well, in particular, like, I remember the BLM thing during 20... I became really aware of it in, like, 2020 when all that stuff was going on in the yeah. rioting. And I just went to their website, and I was like, "What? what is Black Lives Matter? And you look on their website, and they're like, we're anti-patriarchy, anti-nuclear family, basically anti-Christendom. Like, pro-socialism, They refer pro-trans. to each other as, yeah. like, yeah. you know, comrades... Um, so clearly they're a Marxist organization yeah. that is trying to divide the country. They're really not, they don't give a rip about black people. Yeah. At the end of the day. And that shows because all the money that was given to them was to buy yeah. nice houses yeah, and, mansions. in and wealthy neighborhoods. The other thing I want to tie all this to is like, we've described what we think, you know, what they're going after, which is Christendom, but, mm-hmm. but who is it? And this is where a lot of times we can sound, you know, this is the tinfoil hat conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah, But I remember Joe Boot talking about this on uh, the Ezra Institute podcast. Yeah. And he said, listen, you know, the global elite uh, that are trying to force this globalist agenda, he said, it's not conspiracy theory. They've li- like Klaus Schwab, he's literally come out and said, this is what we're trying to do. <laughs> it's like on a web, like they they, pub- they publish it on their blog. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. And like, then if yeah. you quote it, they're like conspiracy theory. But yeah. what we're saying is, no, there's- Literal pot belly <laughs> goblin <laughs> demon. They'll stab your daughter with a knife at the mall. Okay. 
Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. That's for all you guys that like the humor of the podcast. Yeah, actually, Ray, Ray yeah. auto-tune that. Auto-tune <laughs> that. He's just going to cut it out and put the actual actually, song yeah, in. Probably. Yeah. So, Don't so do that. We keep actually, it. I don't know if you guys would agree, but I actually agree there's this global homo regime, oh. this babelic. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever, whoever's behind it. Yeah. Pushing. Uh, Satan for, and the for, demons. For the death of Christendom. <laughs> it's Well, here, here's what it and is. It, it's the hatred of everything that God positively establishes as good, they call good evil and evil good and light dark and dark light. So they will take every aspect, every pillar of a, of a Christian society, and they will promote the inversion of each pillar. So they'll say, yeah, it, it, like to your point about BLM, they'll say instead of nuclear families with a man and a woman in covenant forever, you know, for life, not forever, for, for life, having children naturally not being barren intentionally and raising them, they'll say, no, trannies and gay birth orgies control with monkey pox and gay monkey pox orgies. And like, like, we're all for that. They'll just like, this is what, this is how they develop their strategy. They just look at the Bible and then they say, not that. And that's, that's the whole, and it's so obvious that that's the agenda that you pretty much can't, I think it's indisputable that all of these things are just proxy war against Christianity. Well, so, and a lot of that, I think and we'll probably get into this is that, when you're uh, when you have a righteous person, it, you've probably seen this. If you're a Christian in an unbelieving family, your family members will often say, "I feel like you're judging me. I feel essentially like they're condemned." And it's because righteousness naturally condemns unrighteousness. Yeah, people light feel under judgment. What's that? Yeah, light reveals the darkness. Well, well think exactly. About what is said so, in First John. Right. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because his brother's deeds were righteous, and so he hated him. Well, even even Jesus and John says that they hated the light because it revealed their unrighteous deeds. Yeah. They came in, the light came on, and they were like, oh, we're having a gay orgy here in this dark room, and we know it's bad. And the light revealed it. So go away, light. Not like let's repent and stop having our sinful ways. Instead, they just say, we hate that. Put it out. Kill it. Shoot it. The, like shoot Make the shoot stop. the light bulb yeah. out. You know, like kids trying to graffiti the, the neighborhood Walmart, shooting out streetlights. Like it's the same instinct. Yeah. So one of the questions I want to ask Dan, you, you you were talking about this too, and it it made me think: what's happening in our country because of all this is that particularly men, white men, are you know white patriarchy is enemy number one. Mm -hmm. So if you're a white man, you're made to feel ashamed. You know, we need to decolonize our bookshelves we become, you know, just the target for the left and for global homo, right? White, mm -hmm. Christian, masculine men. But we've also seen, I think, you know, this has been unpopular for some and very popular for others. I think this is why you're seeing like white boy summer take off because you've got a group of guys saying, I don't have to be ashamed because I'm white. Right. There's nothing inherently sinful about being white. And I, I don't know if this is the right time, but I, I want to play this clip. Yeah, let me let me hear it. This is the uh, this would be the opposite. Was this from my sermon on Sunday? Um, I think it was. Okay, yeah, let's hear what you had to it. say. Go ahead and play it. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. Whiteness has caused blindness of heart. I actually was the thing you? is, I plagiarize all my sermons from Matt Chandler. So, Eric yes. pushed the the soundboard button while wearing pit vipers. I just want you all. to know Oh, that. he actually did. So. Let, let's talk. Let's talk about some examples where we see this in society. This actual hatred. So, because we're saying like that, this is happening. But just this is a good example of a sermon clip where you are made to feel like a racist. Well, he's saying being white for is being simple. white. Like the, just the status of being a white person. Yeah. makes you 
guilty of this sin, blindness of heart. Right. So, so, I mean, these are some examples of when we say that there is, you know, a war on whiteness, what we mean is that is these kind of things like you are disallowed from loving your people in place and heritage. You're, you're called names for doing that. Like if, if you just said, we, we talked about this a few episodes uh, in passing at least, but if you just said, look, I am Norwegian. I'm not Norwegian. So I, think I am Dan's Norwegian. I'm Norwegian. And if Dan was like, I love Ikea. Is that I, Norwegian? That's Swedish. Swedish. Close Same enough. difference. I'm just kidding. We actually have some Swedish listeners. They were in church in Utah on, on Sunday, passing Big through. Big fan of the Swedes, even though I made fun of them on an after <laughs> yeah. hours Hey, once. the Swedes actually are great. I'm actually partly Swedish as well. I'm just kind of like a mixture of- Yeah, and also, Indian shout countries. out Peter Forsberg, Hall of Famer, greatest hockey player of all time, wow. Colorado Swedish. Avalanche. Hey. I wanted to talk to him about it, but, but I didn't get the chance the to. The Swedes also, they did outlaw homeschooling, though. So, I mean, that's Okay, that's bad. gay. Um, but if Dan just said, I love th- this cultural heritage I have, if Dan said, I love Wisconsin. And, Cheap furniture yeah, and I just, Swedish people. <laughs> I just love oh, man, cinnamon rolls. In the, uh, Swedish people Left right now up. are like, Ikea is not our culture. Please stop. <laughs> They're like going to Alex Jones rant against the Kings Hall right now. And we deserve it. If you said that as a white person, for example, if you got up and you just, so at Weber State, like last summer, or I think it was 2020. I, I might have shared this on the King's Hall already, but someone put up some signs and they were like, literally, they wrote the words on a Word document and printed it and they taped them Probably up around, comic around, yeah, in the Weber State campus that said, this is all it said. They said, it's okay to be white. That was the sentence. There were news articles about this. The campus police were deployed. Probably like pitchforks. The and- campus issued a statement on it. No. In they Utah, were, by the way. Yes. Utah. Utah, where it's like 99.3% white Mormons. Like, they were up in arms. They, they were vowing retribution against whoever did this, if they could catch them. Guys, all they put up was, it's okay to be white. If they had put up a sign that said, like, being black is awesome, or, like, blackness is awesome, or the, the, the campus would have, like, actually paid for the signs. Like they would have gotten the graphic designer to help. They probably have done that. So it just shows you that there is an asymmetry here about the, whether you're allowed to love well, your this culture. Is, this is because of the intersectionality. Mm. So right. Black people uh, and persons of color, you know, so Latinos, whatever um, they're seen as the most oppressed. And so literally in this matrix, like we've redefined sin, humanity, Mm-hmm. Fall, redemption, creation. Yeah, and the thing is, like a black person can't sin. We we joke with one of the guys in our church who's Latino. Like he'll say, "Well, I, I'm brown. I can't sin." <laughs> like that's the joke. But yeah. but that's really actually what's being taught. Meanwhile, if you're white, you just need to walk around in shame all the time. Yeah, I actually thought about for the show making you know make whiteness great again. Not just okay, oh, <laughs> but it's fine. It's great. People which, should yeah. be proud of their which, culture. Yeah, to the be goal, clear would mean being Christian. The goal is shame and guilt because yeah. those people are easy to manipulate. We talk about this with pornography. Yeah, pornography use makes guilty people. Be, men know they're guilty. Yeah. yeah, that they're actually they're dirty and what they do is disgusting. And so they're easy to control and to mm-hmm. manipulate. That's a similar play that's being run with like mansplaining. You're not allowed to say have an opinion. Wait, mansplaining. It's short. It's a. It's a. It's putting two words together. And ladies, what it means is man explaining. <laughs> 
So it's like if there's something that a woman might not understand, right. you're doing it right. Like now. how to let's just say change the oil on your car. Things a woman probably wouldn't understand. The man would explain it to the woman, and some people have called this in a derogatory way. Believe so, it or not. So yeah, mansplaining. So they're doing the same thing with with white voices, yeah. essentially. You cannot have an opinion if you're white. You should actually be guilty because of the sins of your fathers, yeah. because you can't actually understand yeah, I mean, a certain people. You don't even have the mind for it. doesn't even compute. Well, think about, you know, you have like Spotify. I've seen it on Amazon Prime, places like this. During certain months or times of the year, you know, celebrate brown voices, mm-hmm. celebrate black voices. Mm-hmm. But then you say, can you imagine if we had celebrate white voices month mm-hmm. or if we had a white history month? Yeah, I mean, in the South, that's like every month, but uh, that's what they they they're think. proud yeah, of their yeah, culture. That's, that's great, you know. Yeah. But I I think what you're getting down to is there's a double standard. Yes, you know, for example, if at St. Brendan's Classical Christian Academy, St. Brendan's dot Academy, for more information and enrollment and to donate, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, we are we are a nonprofit. So I mean, yeah, come on, help us educate people in the classical Western tradition, but. Let's say that we put on our enrollment documents. We're like, check your, you know, your what race are you? And then if you were um, white, we gave you preferential enrollment. It, it, we would be sued if we did that. But if we did it where we had, you know, preferential enrollment for black people, we would actually just be called Harvard. Like they would be <laughs> so affirmative. We would, yeah. So you have these discriminatory race quotas in workplaces and schooling and actually they also are discriminatory against you know like asian cultures and because asian culture has produced extraordinarily high performing academics and so you can see where ridicule becomes really powerful at this point because this is obvious to everyone yeah it's obvious to everyone so then that's where you get the people coming out of the woodwork saying you're just saying that because oh you've got it so rough because you're a white male and you get paid more than women and Mm then than minorities Mm -hmm. and because your parents loved you and you had a dad or whatever the ridicule is that's the that's the play then yeah well ultimately what we're, we're talking about too is god constructed differences and differentiation in creation and culture Right, so you look at uh, the the glory of God's creation, Genesis one. There's differentiation, and that's a beautiful thing. Men and women are different. Cultures are also different, and that's that that can be a really beautiful thing. All cultures also have their you know sins. Cretans happen yeah. to be liars, gluttons, whatever Paul said. Yeah, according to Paul. So, and I would say that every culture is kind of like that. We right. we have our foibles, and we have the things that are that are really great and should be celebrated. But I think what we're taught in our culture is you're not allowed to notice. Right. You're not allowed to notice the distinctions. I remember a pastor in the Midwest saying one time, uh, this is probably five years ago, but he said, uh, yeah, this is uh, such and such. He's one of the elders at our church. And he said, he's he's brilliant. And he goes, of course he is. He's a Jew. Jews are brilliant. <laughs> and the thing is, when you look at them culturally, their intellect is amazing. Yeah, God has hardwired something into the Jewish mind that they are brilliant, typically tend to be brilliant people. Well, is, is it's it- It's just a, 10 IQ points higher than the average Is person. it a sin to notice- those things. Yeah. Or culturally, you know, European culture would be uh, specifically one thing, uh, black culture, same, same thing. Yeah. And even, you know, there's a, there's a great book that I would recommend reading on this subject called, it's not on this subject exactly. It's called Albion's Seed and it's tracing four British folkways mm. and how they influenced the, essentially the cultural milieu of different parts of America in its founding. And it was fascinating to see the way that these British cultures in the Scots border 
culture. There were Virginia Anglican culture was shaped by different parts than Presbyterian, you know, uh, New, New England. England. And, yeah. and so they trace it and it just shows like cultures develop around their values. The place that they're in shapes the culture. Uh, the, the, the history will shape the culture. You'll see things like hardship and natural disaster will shape a culture. All of these different things go into a shape a culture. And because we're Christians, we're objectivists. Like we believe that there's an actual measuring rod by which you can measure a culture and say, well, in this place, in this place, in this place, it's doing really well. But in this area, it's really falling short. And cultures tend to fall short and excel in similar directions, which to your point, Eric, is why Paul could tell Titus, who's about to go on a church planting expedition on this 100-mile-long island named Crete in the Mediterranean, he says, Cretans, one of their poets has said, Cretans are always liars, gluttons, and evil beasts. And he spoke rightly. <laughs> like, Paul was totally fine with generalization. Jesus was totally fine with generalization. He looked at the Pharisees and he said, or the whole generation at his coming, and he said, you brood of vipers. He called them a, 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 faithful, a faithful and adulterous generation. And yet there were actually his own followers were from that generation too. So clearly Jesus wasn't saying every member of the category was faithless, nor is Paul saying every Cretan literally is a glutton or a beast. It, there is such thing as trend analysis, pattern recognition. There's such thing as cultural generalization that is biblically permissible, according to the Lord and his apostles. And in our culture, you're, there are you can tell in which direction the ideological war is running by which places you're not allowed to notice those patterns. Yeah, I was even thinking about, you look at like the humor that came out of the 70s. Mm-hmm. 70s, 80s. I mean, some of it is still around today if you go to like a Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Burr maybe, but mm-hmm. it used to be that we would joke about ethnic differences all the time. Yeah. And and it wasn't like offensive, but I think what's happened culturally is that we've been trained to take offense at everything. Yeah. Where where even I, like some, somebody will say something and you just, you'll immediately, your knee jerk is to be offended. Yeah. And then you stop and you say, well, why? Why am I offended by that? Yeah. Well, it's like you, you can make fun of your own family and be like, yeah, we're really loud. When we play card games or whatever, it's like every hard to get a word in edgewise, and you make fun of your family, and it's like generally true that that's the case, it, it, and and it's just like you're laughing, you're not taking yourself so seriously, and and you can tell where the ideological fronts are, in a court like by noticing where you're not allowed to laugh, like where where you're no longer allowed to tell a joke when Dave Chappelle gets up and tells a joke about transgenderism, and the entire world comes together to try and end his career, which is hilarious because he doesn't care. And, you know, they can't end his career because he, he'll just he'll just keep making videos and, and publish them himself. turns out to be the best special Netflix yeah. has ever had. And then it's had like the most profitable, so yeah. capitalism wins. And uh, that's, that's really interesting because you've seen other people say things that are true and then mm-hmm. the ire of the public yeah. comes down on them and they apologize for it. Yes. And that's when I think... You That's lose. when, yeah, you've already lost. Yeah. If you apologize, like J.K. Rowling did this. Oh, yeah. Once she caved, she was it dead was in the over. water. Yeah. I feel like the people, if you're going to do it, you need to lean into it, lean into the buzzsaw, and just not care. Yeah, yep. Drew Brees did that as well. Oh, yeah, he apologized. Yeah. Even, um, I, 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 you know, even I've seen people like rappers, I mean, it said to Snoop Dogg, you know, you said derogatory things about women. Do you want to take it back? And he was like, nope. And, <laughs> yeah, and and they no. immediately left him alone. It was like, yeah. okay. Like, well, we, we can't get this guy. So, I mean, 
you know, we're just going to ignore him. Yeah. So let's talk about some of, let's name some of the prongs in this war, like, and how they, and, and, and how we should be thinking through and handling them. I think it'd be helpful. So we can kind of give a name to things that I think a lot of people are feeling. Maybe our listeners are like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I, I intuit, I intuitively understand that this is happening, but what are the plays that are being run? So one of them would be that they'll try to make you feel shame where you ought to actually feel honor, and they'll try to make you despise what you actually ought to love. So so what do we mean by that? What does that look like? Yeah, you brought up uh, Nehemiah in the introduction. Yeah. Nehemiah and Sanballat. Mm-hmm. And I, I had printed this off ahead of time. I didn't know you were actually going to talk about it. But what is happening is, are the Jews are trying to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. Yeah. They had the sword and everything like that. Well, Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, and he was angry, greatly enraged, and jeered at the Jews. Mm. And he's he's now launches this propaganda against them, trying to discourage them from their work, yeah. making them try to feel shame at what they're actually doing. He says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? Yes. What they are built, what are they building? If a fox goes up, he will break down their stone wall. Mm. And so they're trying to trying to launch this like propaganda yeah. manipulation tactic. You're trying to actually build something. Yes. You're trying to be a good father. You're trying to be a good provider. You're trying mm-hmm. to be a good husband. Yep. You're trying to be a, a good Christian man, a churchman. And all around you, the enemy is trying to make you feel shame. Right. Actually, at all of those things. Yeah, they'll say, "Oh, you 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 built an inheritance for your children's children. It's because of your privilege. Yeah, your privilege. It's because of your privilege. And you know where you got that privilege? You stole it it's from the backs of slaves. You stole it from. And, and regardless of the fact that your family immigrated in 1937 from Norway, or that I had and ancestors had nothing that to do with it, fought for the union. Yeah, like <laughs> Dan's Dan's Dan is a Yank. I mean, in, in yeah, his ancestry, much pretty to much. My so. chagrin. <laughs> he's a <laughs> Yank. So wow. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll nuance that later. You know, he's like no, but you, you know Both what I'm saying. Sides were they'll bad. say they'll say <laughs> you you ought to be like when somebody says you have white privilege, you ought to say. Yes, and I hope my children have even more of it. You ought to say white privilege. Yeah, this is what what you're talking about is the glorious inheritance of Western Christendom, and we're in the 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 ruins of it right now. But I fully intend to to rebuild it again and give my kids even more of it. Don't you want your kids to have privilege too? (laughs) Like they'll want you to be ashamed of what you actually ought to be thankful for. Yeah, I think a big part of it too is a violation of the fifth commandment. They're trying to get you patriarchy, father father rule, and then patriotism, love of the fatherland. Mm. Uh, so much of it is wanting us to hate what our fathers built. Yeah. Now, one of the things when you look back on fathers, yeah, surely you should repent of their sins, mm. but you have to you have to look at the whole picture. Even um, in America, I know this would be wildly unpopular, but you look at even even the Native Americans, you know, and, and you'll watch like Dances with Wolves and it's like, they were wonderful people who <laughs> built dream catchers and also happened were, to be butchering they white were people. Peace with the, or like the, when they, you know, in war, you'd have like the Cherokees literally like flaying their enemies alive while they're yeah. tied to a tree. Yeah. And there's, you know, there, there was sin on both sides, you know, brutalities escalated, you know, things that we would say not good. And that's fine yeah. for us to say, hey, hey, we repent of that. And yet on the whole, we can look at, the American project and, and the Puritan influence, 
and the freedoms and, and the lifestyle that we've been able to enjoy as the fruit of their work. Yeah. And, and we don't have to hate our fathers. In fact, mm-hmm. it would be sinful for us to do so. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should be willing to say, here are, to do a sober assessment of our families and a sober assessment of our cultures, a sober assessment of our peoples, be able to do a sober assessment even of things like the first Christendom and recognize, well, yeah, there were some bad there was some sin there, and we're going to objectively and ruthlessly even measure that against the canon. Canon is a word that just means read. It's like a measuring read. It's a ruler. So we're going to measure it against the ruler of God's word, right? That's what we're going to do. And then we're going to say, our fathers were imperfect men. Our fathers were sinners, and yet our fathers were Christian men. Our fathers gave us this inheritance. They would actually want us, especially now from the great cloud of witnesses, our father would want us to walk in further holiness and to continue to reform according to the scriptures. And and against that, one of the other prongs of the attack that you'll see is that they'll try to obscure and dismiss the glories of a culture or a people by pointing and magnifying the sins. So they don't want you to do that. They don't want you to look at it and say, there were sins and we're going to make eye contact with them and we're going to damn the sins. And also, we're going to be thankful for the glories. Christendom Bible College offers a one-year certificate in the humanities for students who intend to pursue a degree or for students who prefer to begin their chosen occupations upon completion of our program. Older students who never attended college or who went to a college where the humanities were less robust will also find our program stimulating and suitable. Located steps from the Ohio River in the town of New Richmond, We're unaccredited in order to remain free to teach as our biblically-minded consciences demand. As servants of Christ, we won't wear the yoke of the woke. Instead, we stand on the shoulders of Christianity's giants, not to stew in nostalgia, but to see through the culture wars fall to the glorious days of a Christendom still to be built. Our exceptional faculty are committed to the historic, biblical foundations of our faith. Come be a part of Christendom Bible College. Visit us on the web at christendombiblecollege.org to learn more. While there, be sure to sign up for our email updates and receive your free three-chapter excerpt of our very own Dr. Frank J. Smith's new book, Race, Church, and Society. Just like any human life, there's sanctification. Cultures are sanctified too. So it's like they don't want you to do that. What they want to do is magnify all of the sins of Christendom. And, and this, again, looks in this asymmetrical warfare, magnifying the sins of whiteness and Europeanness and Western Europeanness and all these things. And, and then they actually go and, they, and they, they downplay the glories, but then they also magnify and they make utopian fables out of non-Christian right, so cultures. Right, like the, the, the Black Panther. Exactly. Like, uh, they'll say, oh, in, in Africa, the tribes were... Before the, white people got there. Before white people came with Christianity, they were. it was just this utopian society, Technology same with Native Americans. And, and, and the reality is that's all nonsense. Human beings since the fall create bloodthirsty, evil cultures without cr- the influence of Christ. Th- that's what we do. There is no culture lo- over a long enough time horizon that you can look at without Christ that is not a terrible place to be. I mean, and I'm not overstating it. No. <laughs> you can look on any continent, at any people group, and this whole myth of the noble savage, it's just, it's Rousseauian romantic idealism. It's complete nonsense. It's, it's garbage. It's not rooted in any fact. No, it's just, it's completely fabricated 
based on the presuppositions of ideology that are guiding it, which are anti-Christian ideology. And that's the motive that we need to be trained to see when we see that, is not just to go, oh, they're romanticizing this you know, tribal culture or this native culture. You need to see, no, they're hating Christianity. Because what they're trying to say is, before Christian influence, there was utopia. Christianity is what destroyed it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we talked with uh, Chalk Knox about this, his, you know, give me the black church or I die. Yeah. He has a real love for the black church and the black people and wants to see them flourish. And we say that's okay. And then you go to white, if you said that about white culture. If Eric's profile said, give me the white church or I die. Yeah, it would be problematic in our culture. Twitter would probably ban you. Yeah, people would freak out about that. But but the other point I would make about this for say, say like for Chalk if he really is, and I believe he is, going to do great things for the the black church, he's got to be able to look at it realistically mm-hmm. and say, here's the good things and here's the bad things. Yeah. You know, whitewashing, that people would be offended at that term. If you were whitewashing <laughs> the, the black church, meaning, you know, the, the, if you're looking at it and you're just, it's all rosy. Yeah. Or if it's all negative, well, you're probably not going to be able to help them. Right. Um, so you've got to look at the full picture. I think Vody Bakum has even said this, you know, after the George Floyd thing, um, they were like, when are you going to talk about police brutality against black people? And he said, well, I would probably address fatherless black homes first because that's significantly greater problem. Right. Um, and they don't, you know, culturally, we don't, we don't want to hear Well, that. Vadi's not actually black if he says that. Yeah, he's not a true black and yeah. he's not the right black voice. He, to he's actually to. just uh, a puppet of whiteness. Right. You see how they, they run this play. And it's actually disgusting. They say he's a house slave. Yeah, they, they say Uncle he's Tom. absolutely offensive things because what they're saying is, you if, unless you agree with us, you're not actually black. Well, like it, Biden said that. <laughs> I've Biden actually, did say that. You don't that. vote for me, you ain't black. <laughs> I've actually heard what from- What a gaffe machine. <laughs> yeah, like former uh, seminary student friends. Like one guy told me, he said, I'm sick and tired of white Christians using like Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell and people like yeah. this- they don't represent black communities. They believe in math and economics. And I was like, well, who gets to determine that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, who gets to determine which black voices? Because it's really right. not even consistent. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of black conservatives who don't agree with wokeness. Yes. And, and the thing is, if you are trying to dismiss all of the glories of any culture by uh, basically weaponizing their sins— uh, you can do it with any culture because, again, human beings are sinful. You put a lot of them together, it doesn't cancel out. It's not like two negatives multiplying. It, it, you, you just, it actually exponentially magnifies the sin. The more people you get in there, they all start piling up their sins and sinning because the other person sinned at them, so they sin back, and then they sin back because they sinned at the sinning yeah. back. And it's just like that's human culture apart from Christ. One thing we talked about before we rolled the recording for this episode is that what this does is it obscures some of the peculiar glories of Western Christendom, things like wherever Christianity has gone, women and children have actually, this, the plight of women and children has exponentially improved. Even atheists like Tom Holland, historian Tom Holland, wrote a book about this recently. I can't remember the title, but he, he wrote a book about this recently. Again, atheist, not a Christian. And he was like, yeah, the reason that women and children are culturally valued today is because of Christianity. And places where Christianity hasn't gone, women and children are not culturally valued the same place. Would you Would you like to go live in, in a, a predominantly Muslim culture if you're a woman? Nope. No. Absolutely not. No, I think I've mentioned it before too, but this is a book by Alvin Schmidt. It's called How Christianity Changed the World. 
Um, mm. Talks about what's been done for human rights. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that term, but you know, as as we understand it, better for the liberty of human beings, uh, better for women. Yeah, uh, healthcare, hospitals, things like that. Uh, technology. So much of the things that we appreciate in the West as uh, providing our quality of life come from directly from Christianity, including science. Uh, it's been distorted and twisted and hijacked, but science yep. is a predominantly Christian endeavor. Yeah, which is why you see even things like math and why analytical math reasoning yeah. being attributed to whiteness. Yeah. Thinking like in some of these race sensitivity trainings in workplaces and schools, you, you look at the slides that leak out. People go, I, may, I was made to look at this or to sit through this class. And it'll be like examples of white supremacy. And it'll be like analytical reasoning, insistence upon logic, like the use of math. <laughs> and what, what that, again, asymmetrical warfare against Christianity. That's what's happening. Because the Christian worldview is what gave the only foundation presuppositionally for things like logic, reason, and math and science to cohere and to actually work, you would not have the scientific revolution happen in a non-Christian culture. It simply would not happen. The, uh, the book, by the way, was Dominion, How, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World by Tom Holland. But Tom Holland. Okay. Talking about the same thing, it sounds like this uh, Schmidt well, book was talking about. And I, I think this is one reason why you mentioned this. I think why you see a lot of professors who are like, oh, math is racist. I think th they're probably recognizing a historical reality that, that it's been a lot of white people who develop math. Every now and then you'll hear the argument that, that the genius of math really comes from Muslims. Yeah, the Arabic world. The Arabic world. Um, but predominantly people, I mean, I've, I've even heard feminists who are like, all the great inventions are men and it pisses me off and they're all white. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but there's a lot of fact and, there. And, and what that is, again, like the one error that you could make would be to go that it is because of some intrinsic genetic superiority of whiteness that, you know, we're like, that just produces math and- what we're saying is that actually these things are the result of Christianity in history. That's the result. And and the downstream effects are the fruit of that tree. The fruit of people thinking as you have to think if you're going to – like to, to be a scientist, you have to believe that the world is orderly and knowable, that it's not continually changing. You have to believe that your senses accurately portray that reality to you. You have to like you have to operate on twenty or thirty presuppositions before you have breakfast if you want to do any kind of science, and those are Christian presuppositions. Well, and that's I'm, this kind of goes to the last point I think that, that we're talking about today. But what happens if you say you have like a, a a love for just ethnic whiteness apart from Christianity? Well, you get things like Nazi Germany. Yeah, you, you, really bad. You get old Norse paganism. Yeah, you get the Germanic pagans that Boniface encountered. That's correct. Yeah. Or you get a lot of Asian cultures. Yeah, exactly. Where you have uh, certain countries, certain nationalities that are absolutely despised because of genetic superiority, mm -hmm. just pure genetic superiority. And so, and there's history there. Yeah. Well, well yeah, I, I, you, you can look at things like the, even the Chinese with the Uyghurs and yeah. it's like. Uh, um, hmm. yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. If you go see, this is the thing people want to say, or they want to pretend even that when they're as they're magnifying the sins of Western Christendom, they'll also want to make those sins peculiar to Western Christendom. Things like slavery, the transatlantic slave trade and these things. The reality is the entire world was dominated for millennia by slave trading, 
warring, warlording. Including by black people. Including by black people, including by Asian people. Asian peoples enslaved other Asian peoples. Native Americans enslaved other Native Americans. Africans enslaved other Africans. I mean, white people enslaved other white people even. You, you go through the history of the world, and when you're not running it through this sev of anti-Christian propagandist revisionist history, well then you'll notice that sin actually tends to happen everywhere where people are enslaved to sin and not Christians. Yeah, and you've, you've also got to look at the whole picture, too, what, what we've been saying before. And you, say, you look at it and you say, well, it's also white Christendom and William Wilberforce and people like this who put an end to it for the first time really in world history Yeah, and set a tone for the rest of the world that was a good thing. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, don't just, you know, <laughs> it, really what we're getting into is the sin of partiality. Yeah, Right. So one of the things that James says uh, is that we're we're not supposed to treat the rich preferentially. Mm-hmm. We're also not supposed to treat the poor preferentially. Mm-hmm. So it can it can actually cut both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, affirmative action being one of the ways that we cuts the opposite direction. Yeah. You're still showing partiality. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think uh, just to add on to the effectiveness of this of this move by the enemy, the different ways that it looks because. I think we all, most Christians, your average normie, conservative Christian that goes to a, you know, a, a Bible believing, gospel preaching church, they see, you know, CNN or or some pink haired chick on Twitter or something like that, just absolutely blasting Christianity or some of the foundations of Christianity. That's easy to shrug off, right? Yeah. This is much more subtle than that. Though. Yeah. And one of the most effective tactics in the French Revolution was art. Was mm. art and entertainment? Mm. Well, and, right? and the rise of pornography and the right, yes. So you have su- more more subtlety in these attacks on the foundations of Christianity, and so things like uh, Brian, you've talked about this before with Netflix and with your entertainment yeah. choices. You're actually being catechized, yeah, constantly, and so it's much more subtle. The other thing, so you have entertainment, um, the way different enslavements of your passions, but you also have enemies on the inside because one of the cold opens we almost use was about a traitor about Benedict Arnold, Benedict Arnold, because another effective tactic that the enemy is using right now are Christian voices, Mm. specifically Christian voices that are attacking the people that are supposed to be in the barracks with them that are supposed to be seeing his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they're trying to discourage and lead people astray. Well, and I think that's what hurts so much, Dan. I think like it's one thing when you have just a Marxist professor who's attacking Christianity. Yeah, yeah that's but, obvious. But I'm me, an atheist. I hate God. He doesn't exist or whatever. The ones yeah. that have really sucked are like David French, who is or was a PCA elder. And it's like, you look at what this guy writes, and you're like, how is this guy not under church discipline? Right. I mean, exactly. he's lying about Christianity and spewing all this stuff, which basically it gets to this issue of that you're continually, especially as an American white Christian man, you're continually being shamed simply for who you are because of the color of your skin, because of your Christianity. Yeah, people that are supposed to be identifying with you in your culture are discouraging you yeah. and disparaging. I think, and that's why the reverse too, though, of why... If there's just a few of them, but if you have voices like Jordan Peterson or if you have voices like Doug Wilson, so many people have rallied to them because they're like, this guy's actually, he's actually running cover for us. Yeah. Like they're defending us and saying, no, you, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like you've said in conversations before, Eric, 
when people complain about the popularity of Jordan Peterson, you're like, yeah, why did he have to be the one that was saying these things? It shouldn't have been an atheistic psychologist. Yeah, it shouldn't have been a Jungian. It should have been Christian. This message should have so saturated pulpits that Jordan Peterson would have said it and people would have been like, duh, like, okay, Canadian guy. Like, okay, whatever. you've got the basics. Good job. Yeah, like, good job. Like, you, yeah, you, but, you've, you've graduated first grade yeah. <laughs> of anthropology. And, and I think what we've seen is prominent voices within conservatism where there was a real betrayal. Um, you had, you know, guys like Mark Dever, Al Mohler. That, that forever it was like these are the bastions of Christian conservatism. Al Mohler has a conservative radio show, and yet he's like either won't say anything or goes soft on wokeness. You have uh, Mark Dever echoing very similar sentiments where it's like, well, you know, if you're a black in America, you can't go anywhere without having to lock your door and being looked over three times by the police. And mm. and I'm like, well, the reality is, uh, Brian, I think you had a story of a, a white lady. Yeah, there was a story I was I was trying to look at like again, those things you're not allowed to notice. And there was a story of this is a story that a woman shared on Quora, which is like people can ask questions if you're not familiar with it and you can answer and this woman had she lived in New Orleans uh, about just over 10 years ago. She was, you know, had been there for years. It was her place. She She's knew a white it. lady. Totally comfortable. Yeah, white lady. And uh, she was just out on the sidewalk somewhere in her in New Orleans and she was calling a taxi and it was a Friday. So it was taking a while to get there. She's kind of sitting there shuffling her feet on the phone. They're not answering because it's busy. And she hears a car pull up behind her and the people are laughing in the car. And she kind of glances over. It's three, three black men. And she's like, yeah, it's New Orleans, whatever. She's totally comfortable. Again, not like locking her door. Not like, oh no, uh, they're not the non-whites. Like <laughs> that's how she's doing. And uh, so she turns back. And then the next thing she knows is she hears this just thwump. And, and just feels this blow to her head, falls to the ground, turns around, sees that there's one of these men has a pipe and they just start just brutally beating her. And they're, you know, they're brutally beating her. She's bleeding everywhere and they're making racial remarks about her being white. And, oh, look at like, look at this white girl leaking, like bleeding. And um, someone nearby, like opened up a shop window and said, hey, get out. Like cops are on the way leave her alone. They get back in the car, they drive away and the police get there and they told her like, and she's out of it. She had ended up with traumatic brain injury, like could have died. And, uh, the police told her, yeah, this is the third, third time this week that we've had this, um, this kind of thing happen, this targeted crime against someone for just being a white person by probably the same, same men. So, She's she's there. They're like waiting for the medical people to get there. And the car drives by with the men in it who just committed this crime. And the the onlookers who witnessed it were like, that's them, officers, that's them. And uh, they they just they don't do anything. And she's like, what what's going on? Or they're, they're like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, by the time we get to the vehicle, to our, our car, our patrol car, they're going to be long gone. And like li hardly investigated it, just didn't didn't pursue it. And so here you have an example of a 100% racially motivated crime that doesn't fit the narrative. And there's so much fear, I think, even in, in certain corners of policing now, there's fear. We've talked to officers who have been in our church even and fear of being the next headline for just trying to keep, you know, be a peace officer. And we have our own. I mean, there are there are issues of justice in U.S. policing, and there are there are like areas where if 
we were a truly Christian society and we were op- measuring our laws against a biblical standard, that we our, our laws would be different. We'd be asking police to enforce fewer things. There'd be a lot, it'd be a different. Right. So, so we're not like saying that, we're not like going full thin blue line here and like, you know, th- that kind of thing at all. But Well, and they've actually done research on this. So we were talking about it before the yeah. show. Washington Post, you can look these up. Uh, we may even include them in the show notes. Washington Post, Manhattan Institute. There's a lot of research out there that that actually the opposite proves true, that police officers are actually more reticent, more hesitant to shoot a, a black person than they are a white person mm-hmm. because of everything that you've said. Yeah. And I think the overall point, without going into too many details on some of these things, is that a lot of the narratives simply don't hold up to the facts. Right. So we're being told that, you know, blacks are being targeted all across the country, blah, blah, blah. You know, and and there are lots of rates of incarceration. They also commit a higher percentage of crimes, et cetera. And there are all sorts of sociological and historical reasons why those things are true. Tons of reasons. Even Albion Seed, that book, I think there's some really interesting cultural analysis that happens in that book as he's tracing like some of the roots of this culture. And some of it actually came from, according to his thesis, some of the dysfunction in like inner city black communities today actually is almost exactly analogous to highly dysfunctional white cultures in the Scottish border country. Wasn't this the same in Thomas Sowell's... uh, White rednecks and... What is it? Black rednecks rednecks and white... White liberals. Yeah, that that, that book. He talks about this too. he does. Where some of the... So so we assume certain things about like where this... comes from and, and actually a lot of it literally came from white certain types of we white even culture. see that in hillbilly elegy um mm. where he, he talks about he says uh, i i noticed that like the black culture black ghetto culture and white ghetto culture in appalachia were like identical yeah, they were the same so so there's something there it wasn't racial it's not whiteness for blackness there's no. something that's historically and culturally happened and and what we're saying again to like be relentlessly obvious is that what we're telling you listener is that what makes a dysfunctional culture is not Christianity. And what makes a functional culture is Christianity. And so when you when you trace these things, when you find a dysfunctional culture, whether it's a white culture, a black culture, or some other color, what you're going to find is that somewhere baked into that culture, there is disobedience to God's law. That is on a systemic level. Truth. It's absolute, absolute truth. Absolute truth. That's what you're going to find. Whether in sins committed or sins committed against, you're going to find <laughs> it's still, I mean, it's so obvious. It's like, this is like crayon level theology. It's so obvious. But what happens in this asymmetrical warfare against Christianity through the proxy of whiteness is that really obvious things become highly controversial and become the battleground of epic proportions because you're not allowed to say obvious things anymore that don't fit the narrative. I mean, that's like one of the best tools of, that Satan has, right? Yeah. Uh, when he's talking to Eve, you know, so did God really say? And then yeah. twist words, yeah, nuances things. Mm. And I think it, it it really is a good point that if we want to be effective in our ministries, I've seen this on Twitter. It's a lot of times it's just saying the obvious things that you're not allowed to say, the taboo, but you need to hammer those anyway, right? So you know, maybe sexual, it may be on this issue of racial, cultural, yeah, you know, religious distinctions. Mm-hmm. But I think the worst thing we can do is give in. Yeah, or, or play just, the yeah. PC game with them. Fearfully keep silent. Because I think a lot of Christian pastors have been like, 
I, I've heard this a lot, actually, is like a lot of these guys you're attacking, like in the closet, they're a conservative. They're just trying to appease their liberal con- mm-hmm. congregations. Like, well, well, I don't care. We've, we've all read the story before where you have the good king who has good intentions and he has the general or the advisor uh, yeah. that is a snake. He's actually a snake. Yeah. yeah. He appears like he's on your side and everybody would speak well of him. But behind closed doors, he's whispering into the king's ear and you hate yeah. him more than you do the enemy. This is why Benedict Arnold is such a good... Benedict Arnold fought for the Continental Army with distinction. Yeah. He became a brigadier general in the, in the army by George Washington, recognized, fully trusted. Benedict Arnold then uh, schemes to surrender an entire army to the British forces. He ultimately gets found out. It's a great story. And then he goes and becomes an officer in the British army and goes and fights for the other team. And it's like there was a period of time, though, where he knew, he fully knew in his own heart which team he played for, and he pretended to play. That's what's so gross about this stuff, is that, like Andrew Isker said in last episode, he, he talked about the, the guys who just do, it's okay for them to keep their head down and plunder the Egyptians and work for, you know, they're a Walmart exec or whatever, and they, they laugh in their head at the, the trainings they're made to undergo and all these things. And, but they, they plunder the Egyptians. They, do their, they work heartily as for the Lord, just like the Christians who worked in Caesar's household, that kind of situation, Cornelius. But what you absolutely cannot have are leaders who are charged with the public teaching of truth and the keeping of doctrine who are remaining silent on these things because it's when leaders give give bold when they lead the charge with boldness against the places the enemies are attacking. That's what actually then provides cover and safety for the people behind them. Maybe they'll say things like obedience to God can be shrouded as, Oh man, what did Keller say? What is it? That oh. obedience to God can be shrouded as uh oh, shoot. I can't it's remember like now. a cover for disobedience. Yeah. As a cover for disobedience. Yeah. Like scrupulous law keeping can be the most unrighteous thing. Like, and you're like, Tim Keller, did you, did you, did you read that before you, the you know, there's is, no edit button, no. right? Like there's no edit button. You got to do it before you post. Well, clearly it's been a minute since I've read it too. So I don't <laughs> absolutely butchered it. So, so gentlemen, gentlemen, let, let, let's, let's bring it to our last sort of leg of this discussion. And I think I, I want to add one other little point here. Cause I think it's, it, it'd be helpful. So what are we not saying? And then also I would say, what are we telling people to do? Like, okay, this is the fact. This is the case that there's this asymmetric war, proxy war being waged against Christianity through whiteness as a war on whiteness. So what should we do? What are we not saying? And what should we do? Your your thoughts? I'm actually going to start with the first one. Yeah. What you, you should do. And I think part of it is um, you should educate yourself and you should think deeply on these things. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things that I would recommend if you're on Twitter and you're one of those people. Oh man, it's evading my mind. Uh, Conceptual James. Um, James Lindsay? Yeah, James Lindsay. There's a lot of people that you can follow that are unpacking the problems of wokeness. Yeah. Vody Bauckham has done this, some other people as well. I think I would start reading there mm-hmm. would be a really good place. Um, some of the other stuff that I would recommend it w- would be like Eddie Schlebusch has a book, Assailing the Gates of Hell. That's a really short, quick read published by our good friend Zach Garris. That's really helpful on this issue. Uh, John Harris has some books that are written on this, Social Justice. He unpacks the French Revolution. Mm -hmm. Another short book, also Zach Garris' book, Love What They're Doing. And then I would encourage people to read things like Pat Buchanan, Death of the West, Mm. so that you can really understand, like, this immigration question is not new, and there's an intentional 
effort to destroy white Christian culture by flooding America with immigrants from other cultures that are destructive to Christianity. And so that's something I think we should be concerned about. If you, again, educate yourself, read up on it, and you'll understand why this is a Marxist play to have mm-hmm. open borders. Yeah. And again, we have a lot of people in Reformed Christendom. Uh, Peter Lightheart was one who was like, open borders are gospel borders. Eh, you're wrong. I think that's a horrible thing, and I think that we need to be educated about it. Mm-hmm. So I would start there. Start reading um, and engaging these issues. And you're, th- here's the thing. You're going to have to go outside the mainstream. Yeah. Because if like if you Google... Like, right, like I tried to do. Yeah, you start Googling stuff. It's like, well, Google is obviously filtering. I, I Googled um, just like what are some examples of anti-white rhetoric or anti-white a- a- legal legally sanctioned activity. And the first like, I'm, I kid you not, like 10 pages of results were all like every article had the same title. It was like the myth of reverse racism, which is a, number one. There is just racism. There's no reverse racism. Okay, just anyway. racism. But so I had to go on one of those like free thinker search engines, which you you're all listening. You're probably like, yeah, you normie. Why are you still using Google? Because <laughs> I'm brave browser. I, yeah. Like what? Do, I don't know these. I'm I'm I don't know. Yeah. But then I then all the results were like story after, you know, they were what I was actually looking for. But yeah. Anyway. Good story. Good story. Yeah, so what should men do? What should people do in light of this information? Should yeah. I just carry on that? Yeah. yeah. So we talked about... Uh, well, they should buy pit vipers. I mean, let's <laughs> be real. So one of the things that we talked and about was breaking the fifth commandment, which is to honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. And the thing that they want you to feel shame for with your privilege, with mm-hmm. your heritage, with the benefits of Christianity, with having a father, with, I mean, having fathers is to feel shame at that, and what you should do instead is honor that. Honor the heck out of it. Your fathers carried on the tradition of the faith, even not directly. Like, maybe your dad wasn't a Christian. Maybe your grandpa wasn't a Christian. But somewhere along the line, you have been the beneficiary Mm -hmm. of your forefathers who fought for the faith, who defended doctrine, who stood on the shoulders of their fathers, so stand on their shoulders with pride. Mm -hmm. And they will tell you, to knock you down a notch, like a proud nail on a deck. They mm-hmm. will try to hammer you down into place yeah. using shame because you do actually have privilege because you are an, an adopted son and daughter or daughter of the king of kings mm-hmm. and a co-heir with Christ, and they will hate you for it. This isn't a surprise. This is, again, should be in the basics category yeah. of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if they hated me, how much are they going to hate yeah, you? They're going to hate you even They're going to hate you. They're going to hate you. And so honor the heck out of your father and mother. Stand on their shoulders. Carry on the privilege. One of the things, again, when you look at stories, some of the best heroes are like, I'm going to take this land for my descendants. I want my son to possess this land. Mm. I want to improve this farmland for my son. I want to leave them an inheritance. Yeah. I want to secure this, this land for them. You know, those are the types of things that we look at stories in our our hearts burn in our chests. Yeah. And the people around you are going to say that you should be ashamed of that. Yeah. You should have, how dare you? Don't you know what your forefathers did? Don't you know the stuff that that culture, the sins that they wallowed in? Exactly. And you should look at that and say, yes, and I repent of that. Yeah, I don't walk in those sins. I do not walk in those sins. And thank God that they were the men that they were 
or else mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And stand on their shoulders. Take it. And, and I, I would say along those same lines, one practical way that we do this, it, because when we talk about our forefathers, again, some of us had terrible families. Some of you are like, you know, you're, you're not white. <laughs> some, of, some of your listeners, some of our listeners, we're talking about the glories of Christian culture. So what you should do is not let them scare you off of the, the riches of Christendom by, by with this, oh, those are, stop reading old dead white people. Yeah, they were Germans and Italians. Read and, all the old dead white people. Read yeah. the, the 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 greatest works of Christendom. Read the greatest works of the Reformation. The, those are your inheritance. Those are the works of your forefathers that they've stored up these treasures of wisdom and knowledge, meditating on the scriptures and on the world and seeing things and penetrating mysteries. And they've left these things for you. And the world would love nothing more than to keep you from your inheritance by making you despise the men who wrote them. So love them even more. Love the classical tradition. Love the the classical tradition of this Greek of this uh, Christian world that grew out of the Hellenized world that grew out of the Greek and Roman soil essentially in God's wisdom who planted it there in the 1st century in the soil of Rome and in Greek civilization. That was on purpose where there was Latin spoken and there was Greek spoken. And so we should also be taking hold of these great works of the classical and Christian tradition and loving them, insisting on loving them even more. So yeah, start classical Christian schools. Read the works of classical Christian literature. Read the works of theology from from the fathers and from the Protestant reformers. And don't let them drive you off of your inheritance and, and, and try to peddle to you some kind of woke Gnostic CRT peddling lady pastor today or a regime pastor who's been purchased, who's bought and paid for by the opposition, some Benedict Cumberstud or whatever, Benedict Arnold, uh, Cumbersnatch. I'm sorry. I'm going to try not to make Benedict Cumberbatch jokes now like I was all morning as we were trying to write the cold open. Really obnoxious. But, you know, uh, Bender Snoot Cumbersnud, uh, read the read the great works. Like a lot of Christians today are ignorant of their inheritance. And I would say, if you want to get into it too, one of the ways I got into it: read Anthony Esselin mm, yeah. on Western civilization, Out of the Ashes. He helps cultivate a love and, and an awareness of these works yeah. and why they matter for us. Esselin's um, politically incorrect guy. Yeah, that's one civilization. Of Gold. So, so he has so many good ones. In fact, if if anybody knows. Uh, uh, Mr. Esselin, we, we need to get him on the show. So um, well, Eric knows him. So. I, I know. I'm, I'm actually talking to Eric right now because <laughs> I've lined <laughs> okay, up several interviews recently. Media. That's the only halfway and counts. I, and I tweeted at Anthony Esselin, but Well, is he, he a friend on Facebook? Because that's different than a follower on Twitter. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Friend Anyway, yeah, we're not. Friend. He only follows like six people. Um, I check every day just to see if he's <laughs> followed me back because uh, I am a fanboy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yes. And, and so what are we not saying here? Like, again, because the Kings Hall podcast is a place of winsome nuance. Um, no, but because some of this time, this, re- you know, people will weaponize, uh, th- this kind of conversation again, proving our point, they'll try to weaponize it against us. So we're not saying that there is no such thing as the sin of ethnic partiality, and especially that there is no such thing as a white person who commits the sin of ethnic partiality. I thought you were just going to end right there. There is no, no such, such thing, thing as, as a white, white person. person. No, it's like, seriously, you know, I've, you get 
good even good platforms like Gab is a great platform because it actually does privilege Christian speech and promotes um, free actually free speech. If I think the rule is if it's not illegal, they don't delete it. So it doesn't violate the not law. Not illegal or porn. Or porn, which amen. I'm glad that Torba does king. does that because yeah. um that is the correct policy, right? So but there are guys on there who are genuinely like in some of the comments on articles, I've gotten these atheist um like cra- skinhead types. Literally, I've had atheist skinheads like there who are just absolutely spewing some vileness on my gab feed and whatever and i'm i block him or whatever and i look at that and i go what a stupid sin when i think you know the the people in the middle to left will look at people like us they know that we don't believe it but they want to lie Mm -hmm. and smear you so like i've seen these terms like christofascist oh yeah um yeah i'm a christofascist that's what they'll accuse me of or even i think christian nationalism is it's a funnier one because it's intended as an insult and then you think about it it's like well, wouldn't like, you that's, want that's a Christian good. nation? Wouldn't that's like calling me really handsome. Right, <laughs> yeah. Like, thank you. Why would that be such a bad thing? <laughs> you know. The so, look Dan just gave me. So, so you know, the other thing that you always hear is, you know, we're trying to raise the Klan. Um, oh, right. We're not. Um, we're Nazis. No. Yeah, we're against interracial marriage. We're not. We're not. No. We're not kinists. No, we're not. We're not formal kinists. You're just all these different... Kind of like ways that you can all the straw men. In, in fact, like we've even we've even in our own church we've corrected men who have promoted ideas that were contra biblical. Like when we when we talk about again the thing we're locating as the key point is Christianity in producing the culture, Christianity that's lived in a robustly all of Christ for all of life sort of way. That's what we're we're saying, and as a historical fact and a feature of the story God wrote. That took root, again, in this classical world and grew in its greatest zenith of influence in Western civilization and produced Western civilization. Yeah, and so we rejoice when we love the gospel goes out into every tribe, nation, and yes. tongue, and people repent. I want to see like the most glorious um, Ghanan and Rwandan and Mexican Christian culture. I, I want to see that. I want to see homeboy Noah Alvarenga not have to make white boy summer memes anymore because he's redeemed Mexico for Christ. <laughs> and he can now make Mexican boys summer Mexican memes. Boys. Like that's that's my goal, Noah. Like, that's it's, that's what I'm trying to see happen, man. But he's married <laughs> to a white girl, so uh, you gotta give him some you cut him some slack. He's you know? one of the funnier people. But I, and, I, and I think right the other thing about that is it's it's fine to prefer your culture. Yeah, I delight in the fact that my sons look like me. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's it's cool to see your image and your kids. Nothing wrong with a lot of those natural things. It's perfectly okay to say uh, as a single man, like I'm attracted to this woman, and part of what attracts me to her is that she she looks like my family. She's from my culture, she's, and I don't mean that in like a she's my literal cousin <laughs> type of way. But you know, that's that's a different kind of uh, white we, culture. We got West Virginia. Yeah, real we got quick. West Virginia. Man, I love no. West Virginia. You people are great, despite what Eric just said. <laughs> no, you I just guys want are you awesome. to know that no, you're the best. West Virginia actually is legit. The it's all relative. West Virginia. Beautiful. Isn't isn't uh, isn't our boy Thomas down Tom, there now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just man, what a and he got like I want to say they gave him like couple thousand acres for like $15 and 
and like it came I with a plug of tobacco. Been, that might be. Well, Ooh, I, 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 I think that. the tobacco part. They was gave right. him a Everything gun, a was... plug of tobacco, a fifth of jack, and like a thousand acres for like fifteen ninety three. It was actually just a still. They said, "Don't even worry about it. Just <laughs> yeah. make your own. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make your own and wait." Um, no, but you're right. It is a. Uh, Whatever we are talking about, you're right. <laughs> yeah, love your culture, love your yeah, people, love, love your place. Yeah, and it's okay to if you're, you know, my wife's Italian. Love your Italian culture. That's beautiful, that's right. wonderful. That's right. Eat that pasta. Eat that. Eat that. Eat that gnocchi. Eat that gnocchi. Oh. I'm just kidding. Italians. Oh. They're like it's a lasagna. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wow, just, you just further offend. I know. I've everybody. offended so many cultures today. Equal opportunity. Equal. Opportunity. Yeah, and, and we'd love and to see. I would say this finally. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. No, but I would say, please end it. We need to develop (laughs) thick skin. That's right. Laugh at the jokes. Yes, yes, it's okay. That's right. Laugh at the jokes. And (laughs) oh, I I do want to say that. I think we've mentioned this. One of the things we're not saying too, again, is like if you if you were talking about Christless whiteness, Christless white cultures, there are plenty of evil cultures that happen to be white. That were pre-Christian, or the yeah, we did mention that the Germanic pagans, Stalin. They needed Boniface to come in. Yes, yeah, Stalin and some of the godless communist Russian, like all of the obvious things that we might be smeared as saying. We're we're literally not saying. We're saying the most boringly. The fact that this episode needed to be made is actually kind of ridiculous. We should have. It'd be the equivalent of like cows go moo. Yeah, we're gonna do an episode next week on cows. We live go in moo. the culture. Yeah. The godless white culture. Yeah. We live in it right now. Yeah, that's right. Uh, on the blood of almost 70 million babies. Yep. So I think we've got an example right here. So thanks for listening in, guys, on this episode here. We do want to thank, as as always, our sponsors for this season, Reformation Heritage Books, uh, as well as Christendom Bible College. You've, you've heard them plugged here in this show already, and uh, you'll find some links to their uh, stuff in, in the show notes. We'd encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also do want to thank our supporters on Patreon.com who help make this show possible week after week and also have a really fun time with us there on Patreon uh, as we release our weekly after-hours show just for them. We're actually about to hit stop on this recording and then hit record again, and we're going to talk about a tweet. Often we talk about a tweet for some reason, but it was a bad tweet, and we're going to talk about it, and it's in our category today. So we talk about all sorts of fun. You know, Dan does lots of Native American. And it's behind a paywall. Behind a paywall. It's behind a paywall. So we we can say whatever we want. Yeah, Dan does Native American impressions all the time. Uh, Eric speaks French a lot and sings all the time. I feel like this is his podcast. He's just taking over all three three parts. I am all of them. And uh, no, it's a great, great time. And it also helps us continue to make high quality Christian media, or at least what we think is high quality Christian media. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have you join join us there. Again, link in the description, patreon.com slash the King's Hall, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, until next time, Fest and Alente, gentlemen and gentle ladies, make haste slowly because this is a long project here, but we'll see you next time in King's Hall. <laughs>